0: hello everyone and welcome to the cold feet podcast join our journey as we interview people in this cold plunge and we delve on the adventure of holistic health athletic development barefoot education washing the norm and so much more so dive in grab a hot cocoa and enjoy the episode before we start our podcast episode we would like to give a brief shout out to our podcast sponsors Most shoes harm your mobility by over-restricting your foot's natural movement. With the Ursus from Barefoot Athletics, a shoe designed with minimal restrictions, your feet can move the way nature intended, so you can move with more confidence and strength in every step. Barefoot Shoes was founded by Chris Duffin who attributes proper foot biomechanics as foundational to his success in squatting and deadlifting over 1,000 for reps. He created Barefoot Shoes to provide a minimal shoe designed for strength athletes. Go to tbsr to check out the Ursus and you can save 10% with the code TBSR10 to purchase the strongest minimalist shoe available. As a gym owner, I usually lift barefoot. When I can't lift barefoot, I love lifting in my barefoot shoes for both the health benefits of lifting barefoot and the increased ground feel I have in all my lifts. You don't need supplements to build muscle, lose fat and get healthy, but the right ones can help. That's why over 350,000 fitness folk have chosen Legion, well that, and they're 100% natural products, they're clinically effective ingredients and doses, and they're no hassle money back guarantee. I've been following Michael Matthews, the CEO of Legion Athletics Journey, since 2012, and I am super duper impressed with their supplements. They have a wide variety of everything from protein powders, pre-workouts, post-workouts, omega-3s, and bundles. And you can save a whooping 20% with the discount code HABER, H-A-B-E-R. So just log in to legionathletics.com, and the discount code is HABER for 20% off. Earthrunners are some of my favorite minimalist sandals. Earthrunners were created to rewild our lives in response to the typical modern domesticated lifestyle, which is causing numerous health, psychological, and social issues. Through rewilding and grounding, we aim to bring stronger, healthier, and more resilient individuals and communities back to our society. If you're not familiar with grounding, grounding is exposing your bare feet or body to the earth beneath you. And if you're unable to do that, you can ground with sandals like Earthrunners with their unique copper plug and copper laces. Grounding has a huge display of benefits such as reducing inflammation, improving sleep, and improving happiness. So you can check out Earthrunners at Earthrunners.com and you can use our discount code of TBSR10 to get 10% off. And one. Woo!
1: you're you're some kind of crazy my brother
0: okay so no intro needed because two guys in ice baths 10 hours apart different parts of the world why are we doing this what brings us to this level of cold today and if you could introduce yourself who you are what you do your passions and what brings you to the show Man, first,
1: I would like to acknowledge you and say respect to you for doing this in a cold bath and thank you for having me on, man. Um, I'm Corey. My name is Corey Rindbarger. So I'm a personal trainer by trade, but I think that my message a lot further, I've actually turned that more towards a breathwork coach now for a different company and then thinking more mobility and strength training in regards to my business and who I work with here in San Diego, whether that's general populace, uh, professional athletes, or what have you. I just have a passion for empowering others to take back their own power and and just creating a space and an environment for somebody to, and guide them to make mistakes and and help them grow, you know, and not be afraid to fall and get back up, fall seven, stand eight. You know, I'm a type of person that I feel like I've walked through many fires in regards to experiences in life. And I'm just here to pass that message along to people who's like, Hey man, it's not as bad because. I would say, for instance, a lot of people that come to me, I I notice a lot of the rhetoric. A lot of people automatically have self-limiting thoughts, you know, in regards to like, before they even try something, they're going to say something. I can't do that. Wait a second. You didn't even give it an effort. You know what I mean? How can you instead of, and like, for instance, I just, one of my clients just went through a cold bath right now after our post-breathwork, 40-minute breathwork class, three minutes in there. She wanted to get out after 30 seconds, but I helped her breathe through it and guide through it, et cetera. And, you know, things like that, man, it's just like. It's interesting to see because nothing that you and I are teaching anybody is new. We're not reinventing the wheel, man. We're just sharing things that we are passionate about. You know, there's thousands, millions of trainers on the planet, but who's Sean? Who's Corey? You know what I mean? And what are the passions and what do we really care about? And I think we care about helping people in regards to you. I know I, I love your fallen soldier, considering, you know what I mean? One soldier, a man from America who's living in Israel. You know, I got mad respect for that because I, I went on birthright and I have some friends that ended up living, living in Israel afterwards and whatnot. And just the IDF and all that, you know, the whole thing. But um, yeah, hopefully I answered your question to an extent.
0: <laughs> wow, just your intro is so great. There's so many points I want to touch upon. The first thing you said is that as personal trainers and coaches, we're not just counting reps. Like I know way too many friends who just, they come to the gym, they're, they're essentially gym babysitters. And they're wondering why they hate their job. There's so much more when you're dealing with people on a daily basis you're impacting them. You're their role model. When you scratch their nose, they'll scratch their nose. That's actually happened to me in sessions. Like between sets, I'd be like, you know, getting that itch and they'll be like doing it. I'm like, why are you doing that? They're like, well, coach did it too, right? You're impacting them. And whatever journey you're on as a human being, whether it's, you know, breath work and cold exposure, spirituality, barefoot, strength training, power training, it's going to affect them as well. So the more you grow as a human being, all the hundreds to thousands, so even if it's just tens of people you're impacting, they're going to be affected too. Uh, the second point you said, which I really liked, is that me and you are both trainers. In fact, we're probably doing very, very similar things. But besides the fact they we're on opposite ends of the world, we're not each other's competition. In, in my personal opinion, I actually heard this on a podcast, trainers' competition is like laziness, procrastination, junk food, bad habits, lack of movement, lack of awareness. These are the things that are preventing people from becoming healthy. So if there's people out there who are trying to start a career as a trainer or a coach, I say, hey, come by, let me give you my wisdom. Because the way I see it, the more people that are doing this in the world, the better potential the world has to be.
1: I love that on that same notion in regards to like what you... Um you mentioned like even a trainer's biggest competition. I just say it's the mirror, bro. The person you look in that mirror is ultimately your competition, right? Am I better than the person I was yesterday? That's a beautiful sentiment. And even on the mentoring, I I fully believe that because here's the thing. I looked up to people in regards to me. Most of the most successful people say, find somebody who will mentor. I kind of wish I would have found somebody. I found direction per se, but I kind of just embodied the people that I respect the most. And I I even find the scarcity mindset sometimes here, like, Hey, I'm trying to help their client. I've tried to help somebody's client. And then they took it as me trying to take their client and say, Hey man, at the end of the day, they reach out to me. I'm not trying to steal any client by all means. I'm not stepping on any toes, not taking anything away from me or you or whatever. I, I don't look at it as that. I think there's abundance. And I think I got in this to help people. I didn't get in it to, for the sole purpose of making money. No, yeah. Money comes of it because at the end of the day, what you said is, now neither of us, I would say, that equate this to a job. We equate this to a, this is a passion that brings me revenue. And Absolutely. I get to help people for it. and I get to spend time and learn about people, and I get to work on my listening skills. I get to work on my how well can I show up my presentation and my presence? Am I here, or am I thinking about all this other shit? you know? And coming from a dude who's very overstimulated, I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of audibles, et cetera. but I really, suck at creating content while i'm with clients because i'm there present man even in my classes luckily my buddy just got hired from this breathwork company because he'll actually record videos for me i'm gonna turn that sound off in the background that was good but the thing is is like what i learned is it's each one teach one man like If somebody doesn't work well with me, who am I to take that away from somebody else getting business? Like, even when I lost a client, I used to get, I would take it personal, but it's just business. Like, where did I falter with that client? Did I slip up? Was there something I could have done better? And at the end of the day, like, hey, man, I don't know their circumstances. I can assume all the things in the world, but, you know, having an open dialogue, being able to communicate, being willing to ask hard questions, you know, like be uncomfortable. And I think the cold has taught me a lot about getting uncomfortable and, and pushing through surrendering, sorry, not pushing through surrendering to
0: painful situations. Absolutely dude. I mean, I look at work as playing lots of fun and getting to spend time with like minded people. I think one of the biggest blessings I have is that my gym is right next to my home. So all day I'm just hanging out with, some people would call them clients, but I actually look at them as like-minded people who share my lifestyle. They'd be like, yeah, I'll jump into an ice bath with you. Yeah. Let's go hiking. Yeah. Let's get a workout. Yeah. Okay. Uh, someone happen to be paying me, but for me, it's more, I look at my blessings that I'm blessed that I can make income based off my passions and what I love doing, as opposed to, you know, in this day and age where lots of people are slaves to the work. And when I say slaves, I don't mean someone who enjoys their job, I'm saying, I know so many people who are just, you know, on the nine to five train and they hate it and they despise it and they have zero purpose when they wake up in the morning and I would not be able to live that lifestyle. So I'm blessed. My wife, Sarah's blessed. You're blessed that we can do what we love with that being said. So I think we're both in ice baths now. Yeah. <laughs> in case you guys didn't notice, I'm freezing my butt off. Corey is here as well in his uh, breath work. I forgot the name of the center. You're on mute. Oh,
1: sweet. It's about 40 degrees, like on, nice. on the about 41, 42, but it's circulating cold-ass water at all times. Yeah. So there's, like, jets that are just shooting out cold water. <laughs> oh. So
0: that's that's Fahrenheit. For those who are Celsius up, like here in Israel, I'm not sure what that is exactly, Probably somewhere around 15 degrees. I'm not quite sure.
1: Let's see. Uh, yeah, I'll double check that right now. 40
0: degrees to
1: Celsius. So it's about 4 degrees Celsius.
0: Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. so mine is, I think around 5, so 6 degrees. Right? Um, oh, you're okay. so at, at zero, right? It was at zero. It's at zero, but I left it open, and as my body heat and your body starts heating it heat 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 up, up, it starts like... Um, Drop, I drop. Where I put the, I took the temperature gun out of the shop, but I could check it after. I have okay. noticed that after a good episode, it goes up around three, four, five degrees. It just shows how amazing the body is. Like your body literally Inner fire the furnace. Yeah, it literally, <laughs> literally generating heat. Anyways, so I know that Cory here, I've I mean, seen him you know, following his Instagram is just a huge, huge advocate of cold and heat contrast and. I've been doing cold contrast for, I mean, I've been in cold exposure for for over a year now. And then a buddy of mine recently got an infrared sauna. So every Wednesday we've been doing this. And it's also, I'm, I'm not just, am I doing this cold, hot contrast every Wednesday, but I'm actually building this relationship with this wonderful human being who has a sauna. Cause we get to hang out a whole solid hour in like this meditative state every Wednesday. So what is heat and cold exposure for you personally? And why would you recommend it to the general
1: population? Man, it's a great question. And I love that you are um, adding it to your repertoire and you're probably seeing the benefits from it and whatnot. I will say that the first time I ever did cold hot was in the beginning of 2018. um, Intentionally, I was in Iceland and it was snowing, a snowstorm and they have geothermal pools and I was warm in the pools and I see people going in this bucket and I'm like, what's that? And I go over there and I jump in and jump out. You know, I'm freezing my brain's tripping out saying, man, you're going hot, cold. You're going to get sick, you know, but like come to find out later, it's actually one of the best things for you, putting yourself in the extremes with being mindful and having intent behind it, understanding your body while you're going through it. Um, heat and cold for me is like, I'm I've learned that I'm a very extreme guy when it comes to choices. Like so far as like extreme that what you see today is a culmination of Corey going down the route of being a drug addict and trying there's, a shorter list of drugs that I've not done than it has that I have done. Okay. So that's going to give you that right there. Uh, I found fitness itself as an anti-drug. I tried to get, it became addicted to something healthy and yes, I relapsed while I was doing it, but then eventually here I am sober in regards to a majority of things aside from psychedelics and getting high on my own supply through breath work. Uh, and that's where I'm leading into is like extremes now in regards to hot and cold, like, because I put myself in these painful, uncomfortable situations, to kind of just push my stress tolerance and my threshold a little bit further. Um, I mean, as you can see, I'm covered in tattoos and I'm, I'm really like, I would say these, this is my inner pain on my outer frame. So it goes to show you a lot of pain I've fought throughout the years and whatnot. I'm covered literally. I just, my back and some of my stomach's not really covered, but aside from that, I kind of just throw myself into these uncomfortable situations and it just made life less stressful. Little did I know until reading books, recently on breathwork in the past couple years knowing that hey this is what it was doing for me but like just kind of i'm an experienced guy you know even things like when i read about it cool i gotta experience it or like when somebody would tell me don't go to israel in 2012 2013 when i went there i'm like "Nah, man i could die within one mile of my home why would i not fly to israel it's a free trip for one you guys are telling me don't go to middle east if i didn't go i probably wouldn't have woken up to the who you see today I was a materialist. I bought fucking clothes every single week. I was selling drugs. I was doing, dro- I was doing stupid shit left and right. Here I am, go to Israel. I have this one magical moment. I meet some of the most amazing people. And then coming back from there, I decided to pack up all my shit and move to Thailand towards the end of that year in 2013 to go teach English. I started going down rabbit holes in regards to understanding certain things that we're seeing collectively. And it got in my head fearful. And I jumped. I'm tangenting like crazy, but this story is super important. Um, So yeah, back to the extremes in regards to that. It just, I've noticed when I'm intentional and I put myself there, my day-to-days, my physiological, my psychological, my mental state, I definitely know that I stem from like mental health issues at times, we all do, but it's more because I get sucked into my phone, I'm not breathing, I'm holding my breath, that CO2 is building up, I'm not offloading any oxygen, but here I am, ever since this company opened up and I've been teaching twice a week, For the past two months, I've done 30 minutes, at least this infrared sauna and one to five minutes of cold plunge post that. And I'm going to tell you right now, like, I know I'm loving everything about the life I'm creating. I'm loving everything about empowering people with their own breath and taking that back instead of thinking, you know, this person's greater than me. No, man, I'm showing you the same things that were gifted to me that I get to gift back to other people and show you that, Hey, that shit that you're experiencing out there that you think you're a part of, apart from nature you're a part of nature and we created all this external comfort, which is beautiful. I love it, but it comes at a cost. And if you can add this into your repertoire, shit, man, even look at the highest levels on the planet. People, when I lived in Thailand, only the monks and the Buddhist people trying to become a monk were doing intentional breathwork, not the citizens. So this is like a, a puzzle piece in the, in the life spectrum itself that could probably make everything in your life exponentially better. And I used to bang on the drum of fitness for that. But here I am saying the opposite. Breath is probably the most important. Like, let's go breath, then water, then food. You know what I mean? Like, you can last the longest without food, second longest without water, but minutes without breath, bro. So if we're not intentionally breathing, are you ever really present? So there's my long-winded answer.
0: Wow, so many stuff I want to touch upon. Just do them in no particular order. So I really like the element of, I really like the element of, and it's actually my book is going to be about taking things that you do in the day already and make them the best so if you're ready going to shower why not cold shower if you're breathing already because it's a staple to human living and you have to breathe why not do it right or why not spend a few minutes you know doing it in a very very high quality manner so it carries over to the rest of your day with intent yeah With yeah, with intent which is so important and for me cold and hot exposure like we can put aside all the benefits you know of recovery and increased Um, awareness and increase, you know, building new neural patterns and all these things and numerous benefits. I'm just going to dive into what you said. The book could say something, the podcast could say something, but it really has to be individual and personal to what, oh, that's what I got my legs out. We're chickening out here. (laughs) My toes are starting to get a little numb. Um, It is cold, bro. Yeah, it is I'm frozen. Yeah, I'm going to hop back in, I'm going to hop back in in a bit once my toes uh, defrost, although my butt's still in. Anyways, all these things, there's no science book that can tell you how you should feel. So cold and hot is individual to the person. I noticed for me that the main effect was allowing me to push way beyond my comfort zone. So like I'm here sitting in a bath that's somewhere between zero to five degrees. And then, you know, Quarry is sitting in his bath at four degrees and we're going in heat that's anywhere between like 140 degrees to 170 degrees of heat. That's really uncomfortable. And in the ice bath, it's usually after the half minute mark, at least for me. And in the heat, it's after like a 10 minute mark. You're like, whoa, I'm uncomfortable. My feet are cold. My, my, you know what? I can't just make this speech with my feet up. My feet are cold and my body doesn't feel good. And I'm feeling those tingles and I'm feeling the, 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 the stabbing cold. But it's okay. Like, it's okay to be uncomfortable. It's okay to be out of your comfort zone. And then that for me carries over to the rest of my life whether it's work, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whether it's emotional, but it's like, hey, if I could sit 10 minutes in a zero degree bath and it's so uncomfortable and so cold and your body's yelling at you, get out now. And you just kind of chill there and find your inner peace and be present with those feelings. Suddenly you're able to apply those feelings to everything else. So for me, that's my biggest takeaway more than like, yeah, I've noticed advanced recovery and definitely noticed how the cold like boosts your mood and you just feel you know badass and you like hey guys want to see my ice tub you know there's definitely something cool to that having it right near the gym and stuff but it's just this increased mental capacity and you know being in this tactical world I work so much with military all day they're speaking about mental toughness like mental toughness you got to sprint and you got to curl and you got to stretch and you got to walk the load I believe that mental toughness is not so much like how fast you can crawl, or who's going to be first in the sprint, I believe that mental toughness is your ability to maximize your current capacity. So if you're X strong and you can tap into all that potential, fantastic. And I think what's cool about the ice bath is that you see the person who's really able to tap into those nerves and tap into their their fire, as you said, their inner fire and say, "Hey, it's okay. I'm uncomfortable, but but I can do this. Like I believe in myself enough. That's what I love about the hot cold. Uh, oh, you mentioned another interesting point about how you're clean from many sorts of um, you know substances, except for or I call it herbal medicine. Totally on your page, man. I I it took me quite a while. I'm someone who suffered from addiction my whole life as well, and as an addictive personality, it's I can get addicted to anything. Like you name it, it could be a it could be movies, books, TV shows, alcohol, food. It doesn't matter. Like for me, like if there's a I have this fire in me. I'm a Leo. And I just want to consume the world. So either I'm consuming the world for good things. Oh, you're also a Leo? Yeah, your birthday was also easy. All these Leos, fucking Leos. Or we're, yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. Just want to, we just want to consume. <laughs> so like either we're consuming the good stuff or we're consuming the bad stuff. And if we don't have enough good stuff in our mm-hmm. life, if we, don't, if we don't have that like leveling up within our life of accomplishment, then we replace it with substances. And it's only really in the past year, and I thank Corona for this because Corona really started getting me to question the medical system because it was like, whoa, whoa, hold up, something's not right here. Like, people are lying, people are being dishonest. This can't be right. And then it started me- leading me to this path of like herbal medicine, and I was like, this isn't drugs because like I always view drugs, especially you know coming clean and stuff. Like, this is bad. This I cannot have this in my life now because. It will cause me to relapse. And I've I've been to the 12 steps. I've been to NA and OA and every AA meeting ever. And they teach you like, you must be sober. You can't have this in your life. You can't function without it. I don't know if I completely agree with that mentality, but the reality is if someone's an addict, you know, he does have to do something to address his substance. But all of a sudden I came across like plant medicine. And it's like, this is what God intended for us to do. For me, at least connecting to these different, you know, plants and stuff is a way of elevating your consciousness. And if we start getting confused between, I don't wanna mention stuff, whatever. If we start getting confused between heroin and you know different forms of psychedelics, like if someone's an addict and he's struggling, it could be that different t- sorts of shrooms can be a trigger for him and not the best path. But if someone's using it in a mature, responsible manner, and he or she knows how to differentiate between substance abuse, and using them to elevate, you know, a, a sense of spirituality or, or, or an elevated state of consciousness, that's really the, the game changer. And I, I think it could be a dark path as well, but you can probably tell us more about that.
1: I mean, even on, I would say, like, I, I love your point on that, because even when you call it an herbal medicine, all the synthetic forms that we see in pharmaceuticals that are petrol based were actually once an herbal remedy. So to, to, to really understand that, and I, and I totally agree with you on that. And I will say that like without proper intent, sentence setting is very important in regards to to plant medicines. Like I'm not going to just like, I used to, it would be more recreational, but now it's like really trying to go within and really try to search whether it's traumatic experience or whatever, just like purge, literally not physically, but like mentally, metaphysically. I I personally, like when I did ayahuasca in 2018, and that's why I started my business when I went to Peru. Well, that's with somebody, uh, you know, a shaman, somebody who's there, like the person I went with, we're actually doing studies for their collegiate schooling, you know, and like, there's a reason behind it. They're doing research and you're a part of that. I do say, cause even on your notion, what, what I teach here at Breathe Degrees is even as a breath coaches, we're rebranding stress. Stress seems to be demonized, but I'm here to, we're here to say, it's like, I think there's you stress and distress, right? You and I understand the you stress side where we teach fitness, we teach breath work, we teach cold exposure, we go hiking, we run, you know, whatever these fun things that are going to bring positives. You know, they're going to get you more connected with people. But then you go to the other side, the overwhelmed, the angst, the fear. Those are deleterious. Those are things that are going to break you down. That's stress you don't want to be in for long periods of time. You know what I mean? And we've found, I I say now I'm addicted to gratitude. Every negative addiction, I think everything in life is cyclical. We know this because there's four seasons, four different cycles, four different Sean's, four different Corey's. And we try to pretend like we're the same person all year round, but that's not true. Because on a metaphysical level, there's a lot more going on than what we see with the five senses, okay? I'm getting away from my original intent, but now I'm addicted to breath work. I'm addicted to working out. I'm addicted to rock climbing. I'm addicted to, you know, things that are bringing more positives to my life as opposed to being addicted to, um, actually, I think I'm addicted to presence now that I think about it. These things pull me into the moment and pull me present, whereas drugs were pulling me out of the moment. I wanted to just be high and like leave this earth. I mean, at one point in time, I didn't even want to be here, you know? Um, and I, and, and that's why I do what I do is because I've been to the rockiest of rock bottoms and and I really appreciate, you know, sharing the experience I've had life experience wise, whether it's traveling, drugs, et cetera, and like helping people know that they're not alone, you know, and you can overcome absolutely anything, but it's really important to definitely like, even on the notion, like I would beat myself up for even smoking cannabis, whereas like. I know cannabis isn't that bad for you, but here I am over here because of the ex drug addict. Like you're terrible. You shouldn't do this. But like, hold on, man. That, that inner critic can turn into something real bad, real fast. And and it sounds like in that moment, wait a second, is this true? Is this a real sentiment? Like, no, man. Like, because let's here in California where it's legally a weed is legal, right? Cannabis is legal. There's now the people are trying to get that THC so high. I'm equating it to they're almost chasing an opiate high but then you have the other side of the spectrum and you have a lot of people that are prescribed a drug by a doctor and they think that they're not a drug addict, but I'm, I'm here to tell you, I apologize. But just because you have a legal drug addict, doesn't mean that you're not a drug addict. I mean, you're addicted to something, unfortunately, and you're no better than any other human on the planet. It's just like demonizing others. And then the medical system, what you're talking about, man, I, I back when I did uh, the trip to Israel, when I came back, that's when I dove in. I understand like the Rockefellers and the petrol industry, and like even the uh, United Nations land that they have their their uh, hub that was donated by the Rockefellers. And there's like a lot of big elite money people kind of running these things. And I mean, we can even go into currencies with fiat-based currency. It's just like a debt-based currency. We have no backing behind it. You know, we're playing this illusory game. We're having fun. Corey has fun with it. I I make my way through the matrix. Right, I, I'm doing my thing, and hence why I on that notion of the pandemic. I know that there's a lot of bad out there, but on my Instagram, I'm going to push love. I'm going to push the good things because I'm going to choose to see that. I can see both sides, right? But what is the world I want to create moving forward? And what I've learned is I can't change anyone. I can only change me. And that helps change my world.
0: Wow, dude, like everything you're saying is resonating. I definitely can't wait till the day we get to meet up, hang out two broskies in the ice bath. Something I really connect with what you're saying is with that scenario where, you know, you had some cannabis and you were like having these demons come up and saying, you're bad, Corey, you can't do this. I think my take on addiction is that it's the, like, it could be the initial substance that like triggers it, the addiction, but what's actually happening is like emotional addiction. Because usually someone's like beating themselves up. Oh, I relapsed. So, oh, whatever. I'll just have another one. Oh, I did. Oh, I'm bad anyways. Oh, I have no life. Oh, I'm wasting time. So I'll just, you know, keep on going. And it just puts you down this rabbit hole of of I'm bad and I'm ba- and I'm I'm not fit to be on this earth and I'm useless and I I'm not going to accomplish a thing anyways. And the more you go down the rabbit hole, the, the, deeper, the deeper you dig it. Whereas if you take that first bite, let's say let's let's take, make it a cookie to keep it simple. You take that first cookie and you're like, wow, this cookie is delicious. This chocolate chips nothing in my mouth, like damn, this is a good cookie. And then not embracing perfect. the whole presence it's like yeah. damn, I ate this cookie. This is terrible. Yeah. Then you eat the cookie and you're like, oh, my God, that was good. Now let me um, let me go for a walk and enjoy life. And wh- wh- why I feel that all this like cold exposure, breathwork, meditation, uh, heat, it's the exact opposite of, of, of drugs, even though they're drugs of, cho- of sorts, because drugs are trying to take you out of your current state and put you in a different state, whereas cold exposure and heat, they force you to be in that state. Like I'm right now, like my lower body is submerged and I feel my butt <laughs> very, very much. It's being present with me and it's saying, Sean, you're cold right now. So it's like drugs. You definitely, there's a drug at benefit. When I get high in my fourth set of Wim Hof, I definitely feel in an elevated state. When I come out of a good 45 minute ice bath with slight hyperthermia, I definitely feel in an elevated state, but it's, 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 it's present conscious state, which is so different from, you know, other substances.
1: Yeah, and I mean, even breaking down the science, like even on that notion, bro, that ice is giving you a norepinephrine upkick, you're getting adrenaline, you're getting a dopamine impact, like 500 to 200%. So technically, if a brain scanner was lit up, you'd be lit up like a Christmas tree, my friend. I just like, literally, I love it because now getting high on my own supply is what I say. And that's where I condone it. You know what I mean? Like, I love that. I do. Um... Yeah, no, it's, it, it does become a slippery slope and a snowball effect for sure because it just takes that one thought but even that notion pulling yourself back in the moment hence where another like work itself even if I'm feeling that way, whoa, I'm going to check in let me breathe intentionally, you know what I mean? It's like powerful things, man. Very simple yet, although like if it was that easy how come not everyone's doing it though? You know what I mean? Like we're just... huh?
0: I, I don't know if everyone is willing to put in the work Some people like being angry, not that anger is a bad thing, but like we were just having today was a fast day, like it was the Jewish fast day of Tzom Gedalia, which is the the history lesson here. The last um, group of Jews that were living in Israel, like, you know, ancient Israel, Judea, were exiled from Israel. Let me let me backtrack. Uh, The Romans, you know, conquered the second temple and most of the Jews were kicked out. And then there was a small community of Jews still living there under this leader, under this prophet named Gedalia. And he was backstabbed by his cousin, literally like killed. And the last group of Jews was exiled today. So it was a fast day. So a bunch of us friends got together, did a little bit of, you know, we broke the fast and we did some singing, some guitar, like in a park nearby. It was like 8 p.m., you know, a few hours ago. And this woman comes out and is like. I just fasted the whole day. How dare you play music? You're making so much noise. And I'm like to her, hey, like, do you want to join us? Like, do you want some food? You know, do you want to? And then I realized, like, 10 seconds later that she didn't want She didn't want us to stop. She wanted to be validated. She wanted to be angry. She wanted to get attention and and get in everyone's face. And then when I said, hey, I'm so sorry, we'll, you know, we'll go to a different park. She kept on, like, going around and getting angry. And then it makes me realize that some people out there just want to live their life miserable they want to be Mm. sad mad angry and they have no interest in self-work so like we me and you and lots of the people who are watching this and a lot of our clients and followers they want to improve that's why they're that's why they're with us right and when they take those steps those 10 minutes of breath work every day the rest of their life improves as well like Last, what day is it? It's Thursday. Sunday night, I got pulled over for the first time in my life by a cop. So I was speed, I was like 20 kilometers over the speed limit. First time ever pulled over, first time gotten the ticket. I never in my life was so serene. Serene isn't like, you know, the prayer, seren- grant me the things, what is it? Accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can right. He slapped, it. Was, I think it was like a $500 ticket for like speeding like 20 kilometers over and 10 points in my license. And I took the paper, I looked at it, and I said, wow. Wow, okay. Like, I wasn't upset. I wasn't angry. I wasn't sad. I wasn't mad. I just was like, that's a bummer. I tr- I got home. I tried to fight it. I'll see what they say. But it's like, I, I have no doubt in my mind that the fact that I'm sitting in the bath right now, and the fact that I do this daily Wim Hof breathing, and the fact that I've been working on myself as a human being for this past three years, all led up to that moment where I just was like, this is not in my control now. This police officer wants to find me and he probably has the right to do so because I was speeding and it is what it is. Whereas other people would like, they get furious and they get home and take it out on their loved ones. And then the next day they'd be angry and then they'd be like stressing about it. And just like, it is what it is. I journaled about it. I said, wow, that was annoying. Maybe I should be more careful, you know, at, late at night. But it's about like being present with your emotions and thoughts. That's really the the key to that.
1: Mm. Even a, even to piggyback on top of that, I think a lot of people like, and I've been on this topic for a little bit lately, they're not taking ownership. We're instead of like thinking that quote unquote, God, the universe is happening for you. They think it's happening to them. So they're going to take victim mentality, right? Instead of being like, Hey, if I lost a client or Hey, I got that ticket. Can I get mad at that, that guy who gave me the ticket? Or am I going to point the finger? like, like you said, you journal, like. Hey, maybe I probably shouldn't, you know, be more careful at night, or you know, I deserve this. I was speeding, whatever. I got my due diligence, you know what I mean? Like, I think that that's because you're able to also, in that moment, a lot of people are in their head more often, bro. And and what happens is you can't be in your head when you're doing breath work in the cold, and you're doing breath work in the hot. You got to be there breathing. You know what I mean? If you're in your head, like uh, all you're doing is hearing, like this is hot, get out. This is hot, get out. You know, and you just get to push through it. <laughs> Definitely, but I think that's a really awesome thing because even the woman like having what what I noticed is like even the woman who probably yelled, she was just projecting like you're saying, like she has this thing running in her mind and like she's probably not even yelling at you. She's like an innocent child. Maybe her parents yelled at them and always wanted her to be quiet and she won't let her in her child out anymore, you know, or something like that. I was trying to hit people with like Love and kindness, like you were doing, embracing her and trying to invite her. And it's really awesome. Here's what's helped me too. And maybe it'll help you is like, think about this at the deepest layer of you and I and that woman and every human you, you come in contact with, what is there? There's an inner child that wants to feel safe and heard and loved. And you know what I'm saying? And we don't always all get that while we're kids. So we hold on to that. And our way of fighting back against the world is putting that shield on or lashing out at other people. And here we are throwing ourselves in the extremes because emotional maturity and maturity itself is a choice. And I think that the building the tolerance from these two modalities in and of itself and or helping people that you see that are going through similar things or growing through similar, similar things, will I say? It's like it just makes that juice that much sweeter from, you know, we're squeezing this fruit. And we're spreading that fruit juice with everybody. But it is that much more beautiful because they get to taste this. And I don't have to convince you to dunk your head in the water. You know, like they say, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. Like, hey, man, I'm just fasting on this offering and, and, and just showing you how much it's going to bring benefit. I can't guarantee it, but it's helped me in so many ways and give it a try.
0: I would I would physically dunk my head in the water, but I got my nice Bluetooth headphones, So I definitely don't want to do that, but we can do it at the end. All these things, this whole conversation in tone, I feel like has led up to this great question that has been on my mind for so, so long. And we've mentioned it. It's what's the difference between a religious practice or worship versus spirituality? Now, before you all start, you know, wondering, yes, we're two former uh, recovering addicts in an ice bath. We're not a rabbi. We're not the priest. We're not the imam. We're just two dudes you know, discovering ourselves, but I myself grew up as an Orthodox Jew and I still am an Orthodox Jew. I try my best to understand, you know, God and the higher power and how the world works and what my place is in it. But specifically, well, I'm shivering. I don't know if I'm shivering because it's cold or I'm shivering because we're like touching on all these, you know, deep, deep topics. But one second. Okay. I grew up in this community, or I'm in this community now, where there's so many Jews who look back at religion as a bad thing. And the reason for that is because I feel that spirituality, and I'd love to hear you chime in after, especially someone who grew up completely differently than me and has their own aspect. Spirituality is this infinite sphere. You can take it in any direction. It could be meditation, it could be nature, it could be hiking, it could be psychedelics, it could be. Prayer. It could be. It could be synagogue. It could be church. It can be singing. It could be uh, vibration therapy. It can be whatever the heck you want it to be, right? In the twelve steps, it can be not going to prison. You know what I mean? Like it can be whatever keeps you motivated and driven. In Judaism, one sec. In Judaism. There's this, like, there's that big sphere we mentioned, and Judaism is this little box. And what happens is, all these people with personalities and emotions and needs, they're raised by their parents. This is the way to worship. This is the way to be spiritual. Wake up at 5 a.m. for synagogue and then go to school and learn, you know, Torah studies or Jewish studies for 10 hours, and then this this rule, and this rule, and this rule, and this rule. And while Sarah's like signaling to me, go out, go out, stop shivering. I'm staying strong. We got the 60 minutes, it's time we're going to do it longer. So I personally have gone over a lot of these resentments that I have towards, you know, my past. But lots of my friends, they still have all this resentment. And a lot of my clients also are, you know, used to be religious and now they're secular and there's all this resentment and hatred towards Judaism. And I think that's just because... Instead of being able to genuinely tap into what they find gives them meaning, they just were stuck in this box. So I'm not gonna, I, I think you got the picture. I think you got, you, got, you, got, you kind of got the sense of what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah. I, yeah so so my two cents in regards to religion, I have zero issues with people. The beauty of religion, here's what I love about religion, okay? It's an intersubjective. What do I mean by that, okay? how many things on the planet can you get a large amount of people to agree upon? Very few, right? At least with religion, you can get a large group of people together to come together for a cause or a purpose. Okay. The only other one, I think that's really big would be money, right? We agree upon this thing that doesn't necessarily have real backing. We know this, but we, we agree that we're going to pass on this piece of paper for tender or to barter for what we need. Now, I grew up in a home that was very accepting. I wasn't pushed into anything. My great grandmother was Jewish. She tried to take me to the synagogue. I went a few times. I've gone with people to Christian religions. I've gone to Catholic, like, Catholic churches. Here's my thing with religion. I love, again, I love the fact that it's intersubjectively brings people together. What I don't like is the closed-mindedness of it to an extent. I don't like the fact that you're going to close yourself off to other religions. I don't really like that. And we're better than you because of our religion. I don't think that that's right. And I think that another thing is like all these things tell you how to think, sorry, what to think instead of how to think, right? You're telling me you need to act this way. Well, let's be honest. When somebody tells you how to do something, you're going to be really resistant initially. That's just how it is. And like human, we get defensive, you know? So the way I look at it um, is like my family was super open minded. So I, I got to explore many different things and I, I did what I did. I, I I believe in a higher power, right? To an extent. Um when it came to I think even the translations, most religions are translated from something. How do I know that translation didn't get lost? Who the heck translated it? I need to know. You know, I too many questions run through my mind. Um but in regards to the spirituality aspect, I think that there's just more openness to it, man. Like, you're on the spirituals, you'd be more of, like, an open-minded, open to others. Granted, as with everything, there's extremes on both ends. Like, seeing really spiritual claiming people, but to the same extent, they're very judgmental nuanced. But like, I, I can't... I still get out of my own, you know, judgmental head sometimes. I'm just trying to find things to positively judge people about instead of negatively these days. Um, but I, I will say that, like, again good to bring people together. I don't understand. Oh, okay. Where I was going also. There's a great book Napoleon Hill wrote that really helped me understand things. He wrote out winning the devil and it took 70 years for it to come out. In that book, he interviewed the devil, right? He was on trial interviewing the devil and he asked the devil, he's like, how do you do what you do? How do you do your work? And the devil's like, I don't have to do anything. He's like, the teachers tell you how to think. The doctors tell you how to think. The religious leaders tell you how to think you don't think for yourself. So automatically you're under my control is what he kind of says. Once you're a drifter and you're a non-independent thinker, then you just go about whatever anybody's programming you to tell you that you need to be doing or not doing. Now, when you can see on the other side of the veil and you, that's why, like, I love reading about the religions, picking people's brains about them, because then I can understand them. I think that like, we're not really, another thing is like the difference between the religions, like, are you seeking to understand these other religions or just based on that name, Catholicism or Christianity and where you're at in, Like, okay, I understand what happened in history, but right now we're in a different time. We can be different. We have choices in this, you know what I mean? So my two cents is like, like you're saying, people want to be angry. People want to be bitter, whatever. If I can hold space and, you know, let them own that bitterness or whatever, you know what I mean? It's cool. It's like still planting a seed. I, I think the most impact I've made on anybody in general is never really like telling them what to do or how to do it, just living it and them asking you questions. And then, you know what I mean? It's like then moving forward, Cool. Well, now that you're asking me questions, it means you want to learn. So that means I can actually possibly try to help you learn something. But if I'm just giving you information and you didn't even ask any questions, you don't even really care to hear me. So why am I going to say this? You know, that makes sense.
0: It does. It's interesting the way you're putting it about about like exploring other religions. So with Judaism, where you know we're led to believe, we're raised to believe that we're the one true religion. But once again, the way I now perceive the world is that, uh, but I'm sure I'm sure Christianity is raised that they're the one true religion and Islam is raised That's that they're the, the one true religion. Center of it's their the, universe. Exactly. So as I, I wouldn't say as I question my belief, but as I grow as a human being and I connect more and more to my higher power and I connect more to like my purpose, I realize that religion isn't this box of rules or or i wouldn't even say religion let's just use the word spirituality because religion just always you know uses that box spirituality for me because
1: even then like the, even the word after religion is religious beliefs right so right. whatever
0: you believe just like your
1: beliefs and right. how it helps you with your moral map your ethnic your ethnic background you know right.
0: so like spiritual spirituality for me is connecting to my purpose in this world and when i journal every day i say did i do something that connects me to my purpose in this world? Like, did I do something that brought meaning to someone? So while that's in the Jewish world, so they'll pray three times a day, right? They'll go to synagogue and they'll pray and they'll put on tefillin, which I'm sure you've done before. And it's like, if that's meaningful for you, fantastic. If that brings you purpose and you feel connection to a higher power, keep on doing it. If it brings you zero meaning, either don't do it or explore it. Like try to find the meaning behind it, but don't just do something just because that's what you were taught. it's so, like for me right now, if I look at my week, like, you know, this and my journey with our mentorship together. When I go to that field in the evenings and I train, you know, the sports teams, the, the national team, the men, the women, I come back with so much energy because I know that this is my purpose. Like I, I do the one-on-ones in the gym and I train tons of people and I build the online programs and I do all this stuff. When I train a sports team and like bring them to the Olympics, that's my purpose in life. You saying hi to your homeboys there. Hi, homeboys,
1: homegirls.
0: Yeah, <laughs> a girl. Yeah, homegirls. Anyways, I'm saying when I train a sports team, like I know this is why I was brought into this world, to help athletes, to help people become better. And it gives me this, this fiery passion. So for me, that's spiritual. When I hike with my phone off with Charlie or my wife, it's spiritual for me. It's the greatest spiritual thing I can do. When I ice bath, when I spend time in nature, when I do anything that's not, you know, def- Tangible, why I'm doing it for me—that's spiritual, and it's for me far greater than you know some hocus pocus mumbling. And a lot of people, uh, I'm going on tangent, but I have a client who's like orthodox, orthodox religious, as Jewish as it gets. And I, and he, I said to him, like he he said to me, he has zero motivation to wake up in the morning, and the only reason he wakes up is to come to the gym because it makes him feel good. I said, what about like your kids, your community? He said, I have zero purpose. I live, I lead this. I lead, I'm not going to mention his name, but I lead this fake lifestyle he's telling me. He lives this Jewish Orthodox lifestyle and he's miserable because he's trapped in this community where there's like, he has five kids in this community. There's no way out. And and this this scenario, I don't know about other religions, but the scenario repeats itself in so many religions where people just, they're raised this way. They have kids in this manner and you can't back out, which means they just, they, they, they spiritually died because they can't spiritually grow anymore.
1: Yeah, but even with that, that energy is contagious, bro. So then you're just passing that miserable energy onto your next lineage. I think that same with me, like I'm the black sheep of my family. I'm going to admit it right now. They don't believe my beliefs on nutrition. They won't listen to me. They won't hear me out, man. But I'm a living example that it works, and I'm okay with being shunned and I'm okay with going alone. Now, if some if a belief and a religion is going to make me be miserable and unhappy, bro, I I have no religious beliefs in that same sense. Is this, is this going to help me move forward? Is what the story I'm telling myself about my childhood, is that holding me back? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Let me change the narrative. You know, like as, as unfortunate it is, I get it. Like, but pulling yourself out of that, it's it ends, it's going to start and end with you. Nothing's going to change if you don't change it, you know? And unfortunately, like I, I always go back to like, in regards to sharing anything i have einstein tatted on me with his tongue sticking out cuz he was one of the smartest men and he also wanted to remind to keep your inner child right so here's where i'm at with that like at the end of the day man like when this guy first brought about the theory of general rel- relativity relativity and e equals mc squared he was probably ostracized they were like nah, that's not right etc he's celebrated after he's gone so all of us are going to have our battles. We're going to have people that don't like us and people that do like us. Are the moves that I'm making, making me feel good? Do they impact people in a positive way around me? Are people, you know what I mean? Like, are I feeling energized after these interactions? Do I feel fucking drained like a vampire sucked the energy out of me? That's the type of people I'm spending my time with. Like the energized, the energy, you know? You know that those are the people you can work with. Granted, we know we have a job that we have to do. We have bills to pay. At one point in time, we'll have that luxury of choosing who we can and cannot train. So I get that. I've been in that situation for myself. I mean, I'm just at the end of the day, show up with kindness. All I can do, like that inner dialogue, though, the fact that that recurring message, like, I can't get out of bed. I have nothing to live for. Cool. Well, hey, you have kids. Hey, cool. Your eyes just open. Hey, you do. Let's focus on that gym. Let's focus on this. Let's start to build a, a heavier list of things that we can be grateful for instead of, yeah, there's miserable shit all around us right now. I can point it out at the end of the day. Somebody told this to me a while back and it made a lot of sense. And there's also something I want to piggyback off on that you stated real fast um, before I go into what I was saying. But like you saying that you feeling fulfilled and purpose, like at you journaling about that and the religion thing, I end my day. And this is my check off. Did I serve to the best of my ability? And did I leave people better than I found them? And I can die a happy man just checking off those two boxes daily. And that's how I get down. Now, going back to what I was saying, um, in regards to,
0: shit, where was I at? Find it, find it, find it. You were mentioning about interacting with people and leaving them empowered. Uh, Spending time with ones, people who give you energy.
1: Ah. Dang, I should have hit that train of thought. Uh, yeah, all right. It's, it, it's forsaken me at the moment. It'll come, oh, i you. Nice warm tea there.
0: I have a wife who cares. She saw me shivering. Ooh, so thoughtful. Harry, Harry, Harry Potter mug. Sorting hat. Oh, baby. Hey,
1: That's nice. Oh, okay. And then finding things to be grateful for. That's where I was at a second ago. Powerful. So like, because in regards to that, like, again, we can focus on all the negative. Oh, that's where I was going. That's where I was going. So my friend gave me an analogy. Say you and I, we own this beautiful hotel, right? Let's call it our gym. So you have this beautiful gym and it has all the equipment. It has like a pool, a slide, everything. And you've got the jacuzzi over there. It's kind of broken down. You're focusing only on that broken down jacuzzi and you're forgetting all the beauty that's right there in front of your eyes. It's like you got tunnel vision. It's like, bro, hey, shift your perspective. Hence me. That's my big thing on Instagram. If you've not noticed, it's like shifting a perspective. See it from here. Let's look at it from another different perspective, you know, because there's many different ways. Again, where my childhood, where I was saying, like, I grew up around meth addicts, meth dealers. Can I allow that to, and my family basically telling me they didn't think I was going to amount to anything. Well, cool. I can shift that perspective. And here I am doing you know, amazing things. Maybe it's to show it, rub it in their face, but I feel really good with the things that I've gone through, whether that was negative, whatever, it's all made the very strong human that you see before you today. And I still have faults. I still have, you know, days that I am more tired than others. Like I'm not always in a positive, happy-go-lucky state, but I get to choose that, you know, it's like, it's not easy. Nothing in life is easy, but all the shit that you and I do that's worthwhile, It's never easy to begin with. It gets easier because we get better at, you know, at not only surrendering to that or we know damn well how good it feels for us and whatnot, you know, but even reminding ourselves in the same sense of like, hey, I'm going to not do cold plunges and hot plunges for this next month. Let's see how I feel. Oh, crap. Oh, man, I really do notice a huge difference. You know, I'm my own scientist. I try everything on me. There's a world out there that we are guinea pigs to these companies and these other things. Why not make sure you know you better than anybody else on the planet?
0: Well, dude, so first of all, gratitude journaling, game changer, game changer. Like I have my journal right here. I pulled it up as you were talking. So first we got, what are you grateful for today? Three things. Then the bottom corner we got right here. What mood are you in? So for Mm. me, I've never, ever been in a bad mood, in my journal at least, because how can you be in a bad mood after you just gratitude journal? You can be having yeah, when you're shitt- in that state of
1: gratitude. Makes sense. Yeah,
0: you could be having the shittiest day, but like all of a sudden you're like, I'm grateful for the sunshine. I'm grateful for the, for the grass that I'm sitting on. I'm grateful for Charlie who's licking my leg. And it's just a game changer. Cause like when you're journaling, you're being present with yourself and when you're being grateful and you're finding the rays of sunshine in your day and your week and your month, and hopefully your whole day is a ray of sunshine, but it not, it's not always is there is downs. It's not that we're perfect human beings. There is downs to life. And by being grateful, you're always ta- tackling the, 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 you're looking at the bright side, that kind of things. Right. something, yeah, go ahead. You want to say something? Well,
1: I mean, even on that notion, just to tag in, let's talk about laws of physics, Newton, right? What goes up must come down. Whatever you have an equal high, there's going to be equal or greater low, but we've, we're preparing ourselves for that low to pull ourselves and make that low less time. That makes sense? Absolutely.
0: For uh, a big like shift that actually happened in these past two days. So we just had the Jewish uh, New Year, the Rosh Hashanah, which is two days and, you know, bringing it back to that past. So the, the, the typical symbolic thing on Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah literally means the head of the year for those wondering why I'm going off in Hebrew. So we take a ram's horn. It's called a shofar. It's a kind of like trumpet. And you go to synagogue and you blow it. They blow like a hundred times and all sorts of different pitches, like like one long pitch and three three medium pitches or nine long pitches. And so people who just who just follow the religion blindly with like zero purpose or or meaning or or questions, it's like ah, oh, I go to synagogue because that's what you do. Me, I was like this specifically this year. It was like an awakening. It was the Force Awakens. I was like, what's behind this trumpet? What's behind it? Why are we going? And then I'm like, okay, let me look into different forms of therapy. And I was like, all right, probably sound therapy. Whoever planted this trumpet, this was like 3,000 years ago, back when the Jews were like wandering in the desert, and they were all very spiritual connected. They probably were on psychedelics the whole time. We'll get to there. That's a very <laughs> – you're on, you're on mute. You're on mute again.
1: There, there's a great book on that, actually,
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah so maybe not
1: them but they're saying like psychedelic wines people used to drink in the romans and like all that they were getting down (laughs)
0: we'll get there in a second we'll get to my theories in a second about the mana being shrooms and the katorit like the spice the spice mix they used in the temple being 14 different psychedelics that if you actually look at them they're layered on each other so if you take 14 psychedelics together all the priests in the temple were completely tripping but we'll get to that in a second point is that Back in the day, people were spiritually connected. It wasn't this like blind. Like nowadays, I feel that all the leaders and over the years, the leaders and the rabbis and the priests and all these people were worried that like people would lose sense of spirituality. So they just like kept on adding rules and layers and rules and layers. But back then they were super in tune with themselves. So the when you go to the synagogue to hear the shofar, to hear this trumpet, I like I went there, it was yesterday. I closed my eyes and I'm like. Let this trumpet heal me. Let this sound, let these blasts like enlighten my soul. And I never in my life, and I'm I'm 26 years old, you know, I'm fairly young, but never in my 26 years and every year I've gone to synagogue to the shofar have I felt so connected. Cause instead of like, ah, this is what Jews do, you know, we go to the shofar, we check it off, we did our myth, we did our good deed. Yay, God's happy with us now, have a good new year. I said, like, what can I get out of this trumpet? And I feel that whoever whoever added this tradition and value to judaism this is what they really intended they wanted us to be healed there's also like it also vibrates there's like a vibration therapy. you just have to put yourself in that grateful mindset and the gratitude mindset and as you said not look at the broken jacuzzi and be like oh there's an old ram's horn that jews blow around in the new year it's so weird these you know jews are weird you'd be like how can i grow as a human being and i just felt so so connected it was it was it was an experience
1: well, I mean, even the power, bro, setting intents behind anything you do. Like I was, even on that notion, I, I love that because even let's say psychedelic experiments myself, if I go in with an intent, it's significantly different if you just mindlessly go into it Absolutely. and you just broke the cycle of like, Hey, I'm not doing this anymore just because we're doing this. Like, let me see what the hell, why? And let me see how I can utilize my own words and my own power and see if that impacts me, you know, and then look around you, bro. You're going to I will say that since the distracted age of the phones, let's let's go back even when they first did this. They didn't have these phones that were able to communicate. I love the fact that I'm able to talk to you in Israel right now. I'm not discrediting the comfort and the technology, but I think that they were probably more connected to nature. They were probably more in tune with themselves, you know? And I would also preface that food itself was a lot more scarce than it is at the moment. So like their, their suffering and their thresholds were already pushed to the limit. You know, now we've created that comfort crisis We have so much comfort that literally you can order a pen to your front door here in the United States, you can connect a shitter to the bottom of your recliner and you don't have to move anywhere, you know, like, and then that's why we have an obesity epidemic and that's the real thing and getting away from that. And, you know, like we've just disconnected so much so that humans don't realize how powerful their immune system is innate and adaptive. Like we're looking to the outside for something and it's like wild to me, you know, like, I love that you're having this transformation at the age you're having it too, because I just turned 32. So I, I was there with you at that age. Like I say, I, I first quote unquote, took the glasses off when I was at that, when I flew back in from Israel and back in the United States, I was happy as can be. And all of a sudden tears just came out of my eyes. And when I did more research, there's claims that there's like this negative energy field from all the like satellites and stuff like that in the United States and all the technology, technological stuff. If I want to get woo woo, maybe that's the case, but like, something there just shifted in my brain. And then I just kept going. And I love to see just the awakening happening in regards to many people, you know, like, um, it's a beautiful thing. And now you're going to just awaken to more and more things. And then you plant that seed within yourself and then watch how many people around you, their lives are just changing just by you being you. And you're not even cognizant of that. You know, maybe you will be the guy to help people shift out of the thinking they need to be orthodox for everything. It's not your job to tell somebody how to live, but it's to remind them of things they already know within themselves and they just need to hear it from them, you know, but you have to get it out of them to the same extent, not to say it's like a puzzle game, but you and I, I don't know if you've discovered this, but I don't do real physical training. Mostly it's psychological training at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I see that. I, I, I really, really, yeah, go ahead.
1: No, no. I was done with that sentiment.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, even, even Instagram itself. So, for me, it's kind of like a love hate relationship. On the one hand, you know, it's my lifeline to all these people that I'm connecting to, and it's a beautiful thing. I'm able to connect to people like you and thousands of others around the world. But it's also, it's annoying. It's annoying because like you're making, you're creating your post for the day, and all of a sudden you're like, you're like scrolling. Like, why am I scrolling this? But then I come across your post, and your post, I just saw your one today about about breathing. Like, stop scrolling and breathe. So your posts are my stop scrolling and breathing. It doesn't have to say that because I could be like scrolling aimlessly for a minute or two. And all of a sudden I come across like your meaningful words or of wisdom. And it's like, Oh yeah, that's why I'm on Instagram. Like to connect to to good people. So like, keep on doing what you're doing. It's, it, it changes. It's good to know there's people in the world who are trying to impact it and make it a place, make it a better place. Jumping backwards for a second, speaking about like having intent with like medicine in general, so when I was young, I remember my dad. Like if he'd give me medicine, he'd always he'd always add a prayer. It was so sweet. He'd always be like, "If this medicine is supposed to do something, may it may it work." And I always like, "Dad, why are you like adding a prayer? Like this is medicine. It does its thing." He's like, "No, but that's not how medicine works. Like if God wills it to work, it will work." And it was it was thinking but ba- thinking going back and looking back as an adult, he's t- giving me the medicine with intent. He's saying, "If this thing is supposed to help me, please help me." And it's just it, it's. It's such a powerful thing, and like the the placebo effect is real. If you look, you know, I'm like a. a it's someone. the most powerful medicine on yeah. the damn planet.
1: It's more powerful yeah. than anything you could take.
0: A placebo effect is in, a placebo for for those who don't aren't familiar. Is basically, if you can convince someone that he's being helped, he'll be helped, and that's what psychology is, and that's what emotional therapy is, and and even if like sports studies, if you're if like a science geek, give someone a sugar pill and give someone like. I don't know, creatine, some sort of like sports supplement, the person taking the sugar pill will still have a 30% increase in sports performance. That's huge, That's humongous.
1: Especially if they believe it to be true. Yeah, it's crazy. No, the mind is powerful. Like there, you, we can go deeper into this and a lot of people say that we're living in a simulation and what you see is not really me. It's a computer generation form of what you're seeing me and I'm seeing you computer regenerated through my phone. I'm not really gonna dive into that, but You know, there's a lot of crazy shit out there.
0: (laughs) I say, my theory is we're all a figment of God's imagination.
1: uh, Yeah, and here's the thing. And if God created Earth and we are God's image in human form, then are we not God? So, you know, maybe with a little G, not so much with a big G, but
0: either way. (laughs) I think think Maimonides jumped down that line. He was speaking about if God is infinite, then how are we here? Because infinite is literally the definition of like filling up every space and void. So how is there room for us human beings? If God is this like infinite power that just takes out the whole world.
1: God just got bored and said, hey, I'm going to create myself a human form and you guys have fun. And here we are just creating this clusterfuck. We're supposed to be having the time of our lives. Yeah, we're just creating this messy situation for no reason.
0: (laughs) I have so many things to say about that. But you and I clearly
1: have tapped into, we've tapped into having the time of our lives. You curated that around your whole life and what you
0: teach and what you do. Right. I was I don't want to go all Joe Rogan on this podcast, but it can't be that Earth is the only one with that with human beings. Like if there's this whole right. galaxies and galaxies out there, we're the only sentient planet. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. What are your thoughts on that in general?
1: Nah, yeah. Nah. Yeah. Like to think that is like, I don't know. I don't think we're that unique, man. I don't think we're unique enough, I think, to the same extent. Again, we're so unique that we think that we are not, we are different from nature when we are nature, you know, like we created four walls. There's four walls that separate me from outside, even though I am outside. You know what I'm saying? It makes no sense. We've created a a fabrication. Again, we all play dress up and we play our roles and we wear our masks throughout the day, but I literally don't have to change who I am for any scenario I'm in. I just show up as me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Dude, something I really connect you, I think specifically you, just from kind of following along in your journey, seeing the person, getting to know who you are, you've been on quite a journey of of self-acceptance, you know, especially as a recovering addict, you know, really finding your place in the world and accepting who you are. And I'm really relating because I'm on a similar journey you are, but I'm like a few years behind on the journey. Not, not, Not that we have to race and, you know, be at the same level at all times, but just little background. So. Since the age of 15, I've been working out. You know, I went into the gym that first time and I was like, wow, everyone around me is not strong, not fit, not lean. I don't like the words like weak and stuff, so I'm going to avoid using them. But like, no one's doing it right. So I, I left the gym and I went and opened a book. It was like a book by like Mark Ripto on like like powerlifting, strength training. And then it kind of got me into that realm of, in, of focusing less on the muscles and more on like movement and focusing more on like gaining functional strength. Instead of just, you know, the, the the common dilemma in this world where everyone's like trying to bodybuild, even though they're not bodybuilders. And over those span of like 10, 11 years, I went from kind of like a powerlifting style where I was trying to add weight to the bar every time to more of like a functional training style. Like I want to be as athletic as possible, as fast as possible, as strong as, power, as possible, as powerful as possible. And this past year, once again, thank God for Corona because it made me change the way I look at life. Now it's about like quality, like quality of life, like breathing, breathing. How can uh, how long can I expose myself to hot and cold? And don't get me wrong, I'm not on the wagon of like, nah, I'm just going to sit on my couch and, you know, do some breath work and I'm good. Like you still have to move and expose yourself to sunshine and do mobility and that kind of stuff. But it's no longer about am I the strongest, baddest person out there? It's actually about am I a functioning human being who loves himself unconditionally? And that was, that was 10 plus years. And I'm sure it will be another a hundred plus years of work, but to get to that point of, I, I call it serenity, where it's just like, I'm happy where I I can't, I am. I'm happy where I am. Big, small, medium, weak, strong. It doesn't matter. I'm happy where I am and I'm a, I'm a work in progress as opposed to this, like, cookie cutter thing that we've been taught on the billboards and the TV ads and Instagram, we have to look like this. And we have to be this strong and this fast and this, that I'd love to hear your, uh, your thoughts on what I'm saying.
1: Wait, well, I, I, I love the question first of all. And I love that you're on this journey and, and I want to acknowledge and say, congratulations and like keep going on that journey. And I see you doing your thing and I see the people you impact and, and it's, it's magnificent, bro. Don't ever stop doing what you're doing. Okay. Um, now, when it comes to that, it, I would also say, Preface, that you've defined what success, what happiness, what enough, what these things mean to you. What happens is we get stuck in, hey, society says that's what this is. But who the hell says that I really want even anything of what society says? Like I, when people say, hey, I want Jeff Bezos money, Elon money. Are you sure you want that? Do you know the stress that comes with? You, you, it sounds nice, but wait till you're there. You know what I'm saying? you got to live every day like that person. Um, Yeah, for me, even at the beginning of the make moves uh, mentorship, like being afraid to put things out and kind of put myself out there. And one thing clicked in my mind is like, after hearing a few podcasts about like the brain and the brain always trying to prove itself right. So I'm real careful on what I think about and what I intentionally say and tell myself now, because I'm going to try to prove that right. So I got to I want to do my best to make sure. Hey, I'm showing up to the best of my ability. Hey, I want to be better than I was yesterday. And even on you saying a few steps behind, no, you're not. You're on your own trajectory. We all start this path That's the only competition is the person that's on the path. And that's you. Who cares? Who's next to you? Who's aside from you? They're on their own life journey. You don't know what they've gone through, what they've not gone through, what they're growing through at the moment, you know? Um, and then uh, even in the simulation, some of us might be NPCs. We've talked about, uh, narps before but some people call these npcs non-playable characters some of them are just cogs in the system and they're there you know it's like the matrix the woman in the red dress stop paying attention to the woman in the red red dress be here be present you know they've already got you under that control um i will say i just started to define like does this feel good when i post this am i getting good feedback am i just who i am do people probably think that i'm this toxic positive dude or man i'm more loving as a male Like, yes, they can make whatever assumptions they want, but the only person's opinion that matters is how I truly feel about me. And if I can't show up who I am, how I am and not be accepted for that, like the more I've just embraced who I am and loved every moment of that, the more people love me. And, and not to say that like I'm any better than anybody else, but the fact that I can just show up to my coaching position, granted, I'm a chameleon and every person needs a different Corey. Somebody needs the loud, very energetic voice. Some people just need me to be there and listen to them, you know, and like, I just can, can adapt to the energy, but I've learned to just be me, man. Like, Hey, I'm not anybody else. I'll, I'll tell you when I don't know, I'll take ownership when I feel I'm wrong. You know, like I, I just am curating and understand success means to me again, checking off those boxes again, I don't need the biggest house in the planet. It, it, can I make an impact in, impact over income? I want to use my in, income to make a bigger impact, you know? Um, yeah. And, and just continually, continuously growing. And if like, I'm really my do not rush, don't rush greatness tagline. And now my new ones choose your hard, you know, it's like, I'm trying my best not to rush this, this progression, this growth, you know, one foot in front of the other is all we can do you know, am I like 0.01% better than I was yesterday? Well, awesome, man. How can I get a little bit better and where? And the beauty is, it's like, you have so many areas of growth that you can implement. Nobody says there's any like, um, Hey, this is the only list you can grow in. No one ever said there's a checklist for that. This is your damn life, bro. What area of your life you want to dive into and, and grow and learn from? shit, man, when the student is ready, the teacher shows up. So once you show you're ready, you know what I'm saying? More people are going to come into your life that are going to teach you the things you want to learn, you know, or more more people are going to learn from you that need to learn what you're able to teach them. You know, I learn more from my students than they do for me. I just don't want to tell them all the time, you know, I'm going to let them, (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like you learn a lot from people. Everybody can teach you something.
0: If you, if, if we were to really sum up, you know, everything we spoke about in the past hour, it's really Find your purpose and tap into it. And if you can monetize it, fantastic. If you can't, then that's also okay. You know, you can go the nonprofit route or yeah. you can do it. Own your greatness, start small and dream yeah. big, bro. It'll
1: grow if you grow. Stay consistent. All these great titans I see in sales and stuff, they like talk about, hey, I had nine views on my very first video. I'm at yeah. millions of views now, man. You just got to stay persistent and keep yeah. going. If this is your passion, then you don't give up on it. Otherwise, it's not your passion.
0: Yeah, I, I mean- Also, yeah, I mean, not everyone has that innate ability to tap into what their passion is. I would say I'm a combination of good luck, a lot of fire, like a lot of fiery passion, but also, you know, I left home at 14. So that gave me the ability to start life young, so to speak. And at the age of 18, I already knew my purpose in life. Some people are 50 years old, they don't know their purpose yet. And I know people who, who started their physical therapy practice at 50 years old. So, like, everyone out there listening, right. it doesn't matter how old or how young or gender or, or where you are in life or where you're living, find what makes you happy. Find what gives you purpose. Find what you can tap into and wake up wake up like jumping out of bed like, oh, my God, I can't wait to do this today. I'm so excited because it gives me so much energy. Now, before we finish, I did want to hear you. You mentioned you were on birthright co- quite a few times. I'd love to hear more about your experience visiting my hometown. Mm. Uh,
1: I was a uh, man. It was one of the greatest experiences for me. I went to Taglit. Um, I went with forty people, and the, the crew I was with, man, they were from LA. They are from New York. I don't know something about the energy of the people I met. I, I trained one of them now. He's in North Carolina. I still wow. keep in contact with a lot of people, and this was in 2013. Um, I'm seeing them start their businesses. Man, it was definitely, I remember being like the biggest eye opener for me is like being at that Lebanese, Syrian, Israeli border and people living there on edge at all times. And I saw military jets dropping stuff and they're saying it's just a military thing. And I was like, I don't know that, but still like the fact I'm seeing real time, this stuff happening, man, you don't really see that happening here in the States. Like shit is real. And y'all wanted me to be scared, but I can, you know, have things happen in close proximity of my own home. Most of the things that have harmed me the most have been real close to where I live, you know? Um, but just like the energy, man, um, going to the the wall, like just being amongst the people, just the tradition, the culture, I loved it, everything about it. Um, I don't know. Like I said, I think that that was my very first time ever leaving the country of the United States. I never went anywhere First the place I go is Israel. And here I am because of that trip is like kickstarts the core you're seeing, you know, it kickstarts my whole spiritual transformation. Like, I didn't buy into the religion aspect of it and go hard in there, but I do wanna like read the Torah, learn about more about Kabbalah, learn even I wanna go Islam, Quran, I wanna read the Bhagavad Gita, I wanna read more about Buddhism. I wanna learn and understand these things. So then that way I can never just give a generalized opinion on something, right? Because there's so many nuances, we can black and gray everything. But the more I understand how other people like, you can listen and hear how other people see the world, it helps me make moves. And like, I don't know, man, just, just that, that trip. And the fact that they let you go for 10 days for free is pretty damn amazing to me, but you're just paying for your one meal a day. And then any souvenirs you want to take care of and whatnot, like, that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, do I agree with a lot of things that are happening and the reasons we're at where we're at in some of the places in the middle East and stuff like that, And you know, like, no, um, I don't think we really need to have a military coup in any, any country. Um, but if you spend that much money on military, you got to have a reason to use it. Um, you know, cause like, here's my focus. If we can spend as much money on a military budget, why don't we spend that money on eradicating hunger, giving people clean water, housing, everybody on the planet. I don't know. I just think our focus could be elsewhere instead of billions and billions of dollars on military. Mm-hmm. I tangented a little bit, but back to birthright, best experience ever. Uh, another trainer that I met, in 2018, I told him I went and he was at his last year of being able to go 32. And he went that year and he had the best time ever. So like to pass that on to other people and stuff like that, just it's powerful, man. And, and I'm trying to get my sisters to go at some point in time. Um, Yeah. And I don't know. I will, again, I, I can't say that my life has been changed ever since. Let's just put it that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, Israel has an effect on people. Me and Sarah, my wife, are both American-born and raised. You know, we grew up there, we raised there, and we had the option to stay there or or move back there after our service. But something about Israel there's—you can sense the spirituality in the air—and not everyone can tap into that. There's some people who like—they're like, "What are you talking about? Israel's just this like cool place. You go on tour, you know, you go be a tourist there, and you have a great time." But when I go back to America, and I don't know if everyone will understand this. When I land in New York, you know, to visit my in-laws, the clouds are gray. And I'm not talking about the physical clouds. I'm talking about the the, the spiritual clouds. Like I land in JFK Mm -hmm. Airport in New York, and it's almost like the sky is dark. It's almost like this light was taken away from me. And there's few places in the world, and I've traveled quite a bit, that you can tap into the the essence of Israel. Now it could be that Israel has all this like biblical history and all religions, Islam, Christianity, Judaism. I don't know, but there's something so unique about Israel that like it awakens this, this sixth sense inside people. And the key to it takeaway is, is allow it to do that. Cause you can come here. Like I know lots of birthright people who just went, they partied, they had good drugs, good drink, like 18 year olds, you know, who were the first time they're allowed to drink. Cause the drinking age in Israel is 21. They had lots of drugs, you know, maybe met some cool people and then they went back like, yeah, had a great party experience. Oh, there's people like you who it was just a game changer. So not just in Israel, but in life, you know, allow these things to impact you. Open yourselves up to be a to be a, a, a vessel for blessing and the blessing will just will just shoot all over you. Corey. It was great. My feet are cold. <laughs> know, man, it's been a pleasure.
1: We've been talking for like an hour and a half. Man. Right? Hell yeah!
0: Time. Break that. Break the longest record for the podcast.
1: Can I you know tell it's us? A long,
0: where, a late day. Can you tell us for where you. we can find you? Where we can find you on Instagram, Facebook, pod, whatever, wherever you are.
1: Yeah, um, I'm at Corey Renbarger on Instagram. Um, you can find me on the same name on Facebook, uh, Twitter. I can go by Zealous Coach, but um, yeah, anywhere you can find me you know, reach out. I'm always open to having conversations. I talk with people all over the world in my DM and I love to just, you know, um, spark conversation, connect and understand humans more and help people where I can help them and whatnot, man. I greatly appreciate you for this, uh, for allowing me to come on and have this beautiful conversation with you and, uh, you know, setting up this awesome environment, man. And I appreciate you.
0: Thank you so much for coming in the episode. Looking forward to another one. I'm going to retire now for the next day. And, uh, yeah, until next time.
1: And, buddy. Peace out. All right, brother. Have a good rest of your day.
0: Thanks. You too. Hey, I'm Sean, and I'm the Barefoot Athlete. And I want to welcome you on this six-week Barefoot Transition course. Two and a half years ago, we started developing this course, and we wanted it to be 12 months long. Why 12 months? Because we felt that if you just spent – dozens of years in cushioned shoes, you can't transition that quickly. Realizing that 12 months is not sustainable, we shortened it to six weeks. And in these six weeks, you're going to dive into foot, knee, ankle, hip, shoulder mobility. You're going to dive into calf, ankle, knee, hip strengthening. You're going to learn how to take care of your feet, how to release them with tons of soft tissue work. After the first phase is over, after the three weeks are done, your pain is gone. Your knees, your hips, your feet are feeling great. Red or ready to rumble, move on to the advanced stage. We learn how to land, we learn how to jump, we learn how to produce force and absorb force. Every single week is action packed with play, fun, challenges to challenge yourself, your friends, your loved ones, and your community. Tons of strengthening, tons of footwork, and we can guarantee you that in six weeks time, you will be much, much closer to being able to fully love life and live life in minimalist footwear. And the best part of it all, you're not limited to six weeks. So if you wanna go back and repeat a phase, you're more than welcome to. So let's go, come along, and enjoy the course.